This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host Matt Addison with Paul Ghost, Ian Doyle and Theo Squires alongside me as we talk Porto, Southampton, Ralph Ranick, injuries and much more. We'll start, though, with a look back at the midweek game in the Champions League against Porto Gorsti. Liverpool didn't need to win it. They did win it. But perhaps the biggest thing from that game was that it doesn't appear that Liverpool have got any more injury concerns. Yeah, I think so. I think um, I don't think Klopp had too many options, did he, in terms of resting and rotating? Because he had, had about seven players injured before the game. Obviously, Robertson and Henderson played about half an hour each and, and they were not exactly 100%. So we couldn't change it too much. So I think he, he struck the balance right uh, in terms of playing Nico Williams, obviously <clears throat> continuing with Costa Simakas at left-back. Canate got a game, didn't he? And um, obviously big night for Tyler Morton, um, biggest night of his fledgling career so far. So all in all, a, a decent night to work for Liverpool, wasn't it? Comfortable win in the end. Um, one of the goals of the season from Thiago, who... Again, looked really good in midfield. So, um, yeah, loads of ticks in the boxes and not too many X's. So, um, yeah, it was a fairly routine afternoon, really, or evening. And now they move on to Milan. And, um, again, hopefully by then the injury options will have eased off again. So, um, yeah, all in all, a good night at the office for Klopp and, and the team. Yeah, very straightforward victory in the end. I wasn't massively impressed by Porto, to be honest, Doily, considering they probably could have done with a few points to, to get through. But I suppose we should touch on the, the Thiago goal. Obviously, Gorsty mentions it there. Plenty of debate about whether it touched the ground or not. What's your verdict on that? And what was your verdict on the goal itself? Well, there is no verdict. It didn't touch the ground. Simple as that. You watch all the replays, it doesn't touch the ground. Anybody who thinks that it touches the ground needs to get some new glasses and if they don't wear any glasses get themselves down to the opticians immediately because it did not touch the ground um porto were really poor weren't they i thought second half was a bit weird when they went behind they just decided let's just fall over all the time and dive and it was like well hang on you're getting bt and this is against the liverpool team who in the first half set the first half an hour with her for the taking i mean they were a little bit all over the shop defensively um liverpool that is Porto had that great chance, didn't they, which they wasted. And I think if that had gone, it would have been a completely different game. But it didn't go in. So I don't really like doing ifs and buts and, you know, what if this. So I do think that uh, Liverpool did, did, in the end, won reasonably comfortably. And as Gorsi said, there were a lot of uh, a lot of ticks and one of them was Thiago. It was a great strike. But it backed up what he did against, uh, against Arsenal at the weekend because I thought he had a very good game then as well. This was a game where he could, you know, he was given the time to to pass the ball about. He had that, you know, he was a greater experience in that midfield three. Tyler Morton spoke after the game about Thiago and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain helped him through the game. So, all in all, lots to be encouraged about. Um, Thiago himself will be interesting to see. I know we'll get onto our team selector in a bit. Interesting to see whether he plays against Southampton on on Saturday. But that said, Klopp in his press conference did today did say that well, there's a reason we took him off when we took him off was to make sure he didn't get overly tired. You know, he's, that was only his fourth start of the season. He, he, he missed most of the summer, didn't he? He was away with the for the Euros and then came back with an injury. And then he got injured again after a couple of games into the season with a calf problem. So I wouldn't say he's got a lot of catching up to do, but in terms of his rhythm, I think that's what he needs. And 
you know, he'll play some points on Saturday, and, and if he plays like he's done in the last couple of games, Liverpool will, will be all the better for it. Yeah, it's maybe a bit strong, Theo, to, to say it's a turning point or anything like that for him because we know the quality that Thiago has got. But it does kind of feel like if he can stay fit over the next few weeks, there's going to be loads and loads of games. Dodi there mentions the fact that he needs rhythm to get up to up to speed and, and be at his best. It, it kind of feels like a good time for him to, to really kick on in his Liverpool career. Yeah, but that's the same for most of Liverpool's midfield options that you have these injury doubts over. Like we've done these podcasts and we've said the same about Naby Keita, we've said the same about Oxley chamberlain You give them a run of games and they find that rhythm and they can prove their quality again. And then more times than not, they've been getting injuries and those doubts re-emerge. It's just a case of them staying fit. Um, Liverpool have been starved of these midfield options so far this season and Apart from Elliot and perhaps Jones, they seem to be coming back at the right time, the more senior ones especially. And when we know how busy this festive period is going to be, good timing for it as well. Um, but then you've had these doubts over Cater and Oxley chamberlain and they've stood up this season. When they've played and when they've been fit, they've done their job. And Thiago as well, we know that he's one of his finest midfielders of his generation. Um, he just needs to be able to do it more consistently without the injuries. Um, he's had these setbacks throughout his career at Bayern Munich as well when he wasn't necessarily being able to play 30, 40 games a season every year. But Liverpool have got a number of options, so he doesn't need to start every game. It's just about managing him and getting him in the right sort of fixtures. Um, the last couple have suited him perfectly. He's been able to get on the ball, dictate the play and show why Jurgen Klopp is such a big fan and wanted to sign him in the first place. And he can be a game-changing midfielder. Like, There's not many in the Liverpool squad who would have been able to watch that ball as well as he did and put it exactly where he put it in the bottom corner. Like You knew what he wanted to do as soon as that ball was coming back to him. The surprise was it actually happening. And then you think, hang on, this is Thiago. Of course he can do that. We've seen what he can do with the ball every week when he does play, when the training videos get released. He is such a gifted player. Um, there isn't really a turning point there or doubts for him to really show his quality. You just want him to be able to stay fit. And so they can call upon him every week when they need to. Um, but yeah, there's a few players like this in the Liverpool midfield, especially who so far just haven't been able to be available week in, week out. Yeah, it certainly feels like a, an important period for Thiago the next few weeks. Uh, alongside him, Gorst, you mentioned Tyler Morton before. I was really, really impressed with the, the maturity of, of his performance to come into a Champions League game, albeit Porto weren't brilliant. But you know, even so, on that kind of stage to, to perform like that, uh, I think it just proves really and, and underlines the fact he's got a big future ahead of him. Yeah, there was, there was two things he did really well. There was one where he cut out the... Well, it was an interception, wasn't it, to... Stop the cutback, which would have been almost a certain goal for Porto in the first half. And then in the second half, it was the pass for, for Salah, who basically got Liverpool up the pitch. He played the 1-2 with Henderson and Liverpool were 2-0 were up and game set and match. So, you know, in between those two big moments, I thought he was very neat and tidy. And I was getting stuck in, wasn't overawed by the magnitude of the game. This is a, a kid who's only played, you know, junior football up until this season, hasn't he? Thought he'd come on really well against Norwich in the Carabao Cup and then kind of held down the middle of, of the pitch against Preston really well when Curtis Jones and Oxley chamberlain went foraging around the, the rest of the pitch. But uh, against Porto in the Champions League, it was obviously a massive step up and he didn't look phased, did he? So, um, yeah, it looks like Liverpool might have another one in the hands. He's only 19, so um, they're not going to be putting too much pressure on him or anything like that. But just if, if he can have a season of, of this type of nights, you know, just you know, little cameos here and there and just kind of 
shown what he can do when, when it's asked of him. And as long as Liverpool stay in that Carabao Cup, he's going to get more and more minutes on the pitch. So, um, yeah, they'll be able to reflect on um, a really good week for him. And, um, you know, we'll just go from strength to strength and we'll see uh, see how he gets on. But certainly, you know, from what we've seen so far, someone who isn't um, going to be daunted by the, the task of playing in a Liverpool midfield. Yeah, certainly promising signs for him. Been a fair bit of them at the academy for the youth teams, and also plays a, a bit of a different role actually, slightly further up the pitch as a number eight rather than a number six. Do you think there's a best position for him moving forward, or is it just a case of the minute and take the chances whenever he can? And it, it doesn't particularly matter which role he has. The very fact that he's on the pitch for Liverpool at senior level is is just a huge thing in itself. Well, if you're a youngster, as you, said, as you just said, you just want to be on the pitch. You're not really that fussed where you're playing. It's a little bit later down the line where you go, well, I'd rather be playing in X position or Y position because you feel as though you can have a greater chance of actually making an impact and just to find what you believe your talents are. But with Tyler, you're right. He, um, he, having seen him play quite a bit at the, uh, the thing is, it was only a year ago. I think it was about just over a year ago that he made his debut for the under-23s, which isn't that long ago. And he is still young for the under-23 because he was only 19 recently, wasn't he? So that's still young for a, for a, for a footballer, but on the, by the, at that level. But at the same token, Trent was in the team. Curtis Jones in the team, you know, at that age. You know, you go back to you know Gerard and Carragher and, and players like that. They were all getting into the first team around this age. So in that sense, it's not a surprise. But the difficulty for any youngster coming to this Liverpool team at the moment is the fact that they are one of the best teams in the world. So if you're coming in, you've got to be really good. And I think, you know, as you know, um, for quite some time, Liverpool have, you know, without ever really mentioning too much, you can kind of get, when you go down the academy for, you know, you spend a bit of time down there, you kind of get an idea of some of the players that are quite fancy. And Tyler Morton's definitely been one of them. They think that, you know, maybe his best position is a bit further forward. I must admit, I'm surprised seeing him playing quite so well as he is doing in that defensive midfield role. Although technically it's not quite the same as a, you know, like a Fabinho role, is he's not quite that pure a defensive midfield. I think the, the way he's been playing, the midfield's been shuffled around a little bit to kind of help him out in that sense. But overall, he's somebody who I think personally he'll be he's he'll be more, he's more of a Jordan Henderson type of midfielder in the sense that he can do like a bit of everything. You know, he can do. Whereas you look at someone like Steven Gerrard and you go, quite clearly, he's a lot better going forward than he is defensively. Even though he did play, what was it right back for half a Champions League final? But you knew that his best his best position where he needed to be was further up the field. I think with Tyler, he could play anywhere in that in that engine room. I do think, though, if he gets an opportunity, certainly later in the season, or possibly in the next few weeks, as as Ghost, he said, if you get through in that in that Carabao Cup, you, know, you think he'd be playing against Leicester. If you get through, there's a two-legged semi-final in January where Salah, Mane and Cater aren't going to be around. So that'll be very interesting to see where he, where he ends up playing there, how seriously Liverpool take it. It's a bit further down the line, but if they can get him playing a little bit further upfield, he'll be able to maybe see what he's all about. But for him at the moment, that position is perhaps easier because you perhaps don't have to get the same relationships with the players quite as far in front. But as we know with Liverpool, it's, it's, it's all about building those relationships. From that position, he can ride a little bit more in his midfielders, just give the ball to Thiago, Oxay chamberlain whoever's playing with him. And then they can do the rest. But as Gorsi said, He's got that range of passing, and he put that great, you know, long field pass over the top for Salah to chase, and you know, ultimately that led to the second. And he did exactly the same in the UEFA Youth League in the game against Porto at Porto, where Liverpool were getting beat one 0 Towards the end, he puts a deep ball from inside his area over the top, 
Fraundorf runs onto it, puts it in, and they get a draw. And you know, I have to I have to mention that we were all down at the uh, at the academy on Wednesday before the the Champions League game. We saw the the youth team thrash Porto four 0 very good performance, and they've given themselves a great chance of getting through to the knockout stage of that competition as well. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty of promising signs for Liverpool across all age groups. Well, Theo, we've spoken about two of the three midfielders. We'll finish with the, the third one, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. I think it's been a decent couple of weeks for him. He seems to be getting into a, a bit of rhythm and a bit of form himself. But I suppose, again, that the caveat to that is similar to Thiago. It's just a case now of continuing that for him. Yeah, he's had a good start to the season. I think he's the only one of Liverpool's midfielders to not have actually picked up an injury yet. Touchwood, that stays the same. The only game he missed was when um, his partner gave birth, so he had to be there for that. Um, but yeah, he's had a few games now, starting games in a row, and we're starting to see the old Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain again. Not everything he's trying is coming off, um, but there's that hard work there. He's pressing defenders. He's winning the ball back. He's got that urgency about him to bring the ball forward from midfield, try and create something, whether it's a shot on goal or link up with the other players ahead of him. And he's managed to fill that gap on the right-hand side, linking up with Salah and linking up with Trent. It suits him, doesn't it? Because he's played out wide himself, both as a wing-back and as in a front three. And he is a player, if he can stay fit, will be important for Liverpool this season. We know they're going to lose Salah and Mane for the Cup of Nations. It's like, well, he could be an option there in that front three, either out wide or as this false nine that um, they actually did play him for briefly when uh, the substitutions were made in midweek and they've spoken about before that he is there as an option. He is a talented player. We've seen it before. He just needs to get this run of games. And he's unfortunate that with the injuries he picks up, it's not the same as Navigator, where it is just a setback, but these small little niggles that keep him out for a few weeks every so often. When he seems to get an injury, it's one that will keep him out for a few months. And he's had two or three in his Liverpool career. And when they come about, he's then on the sidelines and it's hard to get back in. But last year, it was a time where Liverpool couldn't really rotate because they had all the injury crisis in defence. So it was just stick with you, what you, you trusted to get you over the line. And he was just this bit part role off the bench. But we've seen before, when you give him games, he can make a difference. Like That's when he had his, enjoyed his best form of his Liverpool career in that first season. We all remember that stunning goal against Manchester City in the Champions League. Um, there's been plenty of transfer rumours about his future so far this year. His contract's up in, what, two years' time. Um, he's almost at that extent where he's playing for his Liverpool future here. Like, he could easily be one of those players that might want to look on to move on in the summer. Um, can he raise funds where he has an eye on being in the England squad for the World Cup when he thinks he's deserving of more regular game time? But he loves it at Liverpool. He's a, a very popular player in that squad. And he's a valuable player in that squad too because of his versatility, because he can play so many roles. And he is silence and the doubters here because it wasn't a case of injury has finished him off. When he's had these games, he's showing that he can still do a job. It's just whether he gets those opportunities when everyone is fit. Like If you've got Cater fit, Thiago fit, Fabinho fit, Henderson fit, Elliot Curtis-Jones, where does Oxlade-Chamberlain fit and Jurgen Klopp's back in order? You'd imagine he'd probably be getting limited game time there. But at the moment, he's doing what you want from him. He's doing what managers are asking for him. And that's all you can really expect from him. Uh, he's certainly mistaken his claim over the last couple of weeks and he's doing a good job. 
It'll certainly be interesting to see whether or not he plays at the uh, the weekend, but we'll come on to that shortly. Just before we do move on from Porto, Doily, I'll, I'll come to you on this one, on Ibrahim Konate's performance. I think you gave him a five in your player ratings, correct me if I'm wrong. It maybe yes. wasn't the best performance from him, but I suppose it's it's one of those that it is quite hard to come into a game when it doesn't matter and Porto are a bit strange and it certainly isn't something that we should judge him on long term. No, I mean, the rest, but the rest of them managed it. Just he didn't. So that was a, True. You know, one of those. So, I mean, I got quite a bit of abuse from a certain section of the fan base for giving him a five and suggesting that his performance is perhaps why we haven't seen quite so much from him this season, which I think is fair enough. It's not my fault that my stuff gets taken out of context by other websites. You know, we know what this is like. Pretty sure they won't be putting that on their website. Anyway, um, yeah, Canate. I mean, I'm not. I'm personally speaking, I'm not worried about it. And I know, we'll, as I said before, against we'll the team selector, I reckon he's playing against Southampton. I reckon he'll play against Southampton because he's. This is, you know, did well against Man United. Can't really judge him on. I think it was Norwich away, wasn't it? His first game, uh, but Brighton was an interesting one because that was one where Liverpool themselves didn't play well. And I think he kind of was affected more by the uh, the first half where Liverpool were trying to find their feet. I think he was still trying to find his. Whereas other players were, they were confident in their own game. He's still trying to work out his with Liverpool. So he had that kind of that double impact of what was going on. And he was, as I said, that early goal, he was a bit lucky. It was this mistake that it came, sorry, early chance, I should say. It, it well, should have been a goal. It came from his mistake. And there was one or two other things where he looked a little bit slow, a little bit off the pace. That's not to say he's slow, he hasn't got any pace. It's just that he seemed a bit hesitant, a bit nervous, a little bit unsure. A bit better second half. And I think... Possibly Matip helped him in, in, in that respect. And certainly the fact that the midfield got a bit more to grips with the game and the fact that Liverpool were winning 1-0. And as you said before, Porto weren't very good. That also played into the hands. I mean, Porto, for a team that I think, I'm right in saying that when they got beat by Liverpool, since then they've won every league game in Portugal. And they had, didn't lose any of their um, group games, either the two of them. Did he play? Milan wasn't at home and away. I think they got a, a win and a draw. So I think... They came into the game with a lot of confidence. And you could see that in the first the first 20, 20, 30 minutes. They kind of went for it. And that may also that may have been a slight issue for Canati because he's not kind of been used to coming up against that with Liverpool. Because you know, Brighton, for all intents and purposes, in that first half didn't go for it. United certainly didn't. They didn't have anything. Um, and Norwich didn't. So it was something different for him. But as I said, I think you know, there's nothing to worry about long term at all. Not to worry about at all. He's only what twenty-two. He's got he's got loads. What he'll and they'll need him over these next few few months because if Joe Gomez, we don't know when he's going to be back. You know, Nat Phillips isn't getting much of a look in, so it does look as though the three defenders at the moment are going to be on rotation: are Canati, Matip, and and Van Dyke. So, you know, Matip isn't going to play three games in a week. I don't think. You know, Van Dyke. They're trying to make sure that he doesn't either, or certainly limit them. So he's going to be playing his games, and he's only going to get better. Yeah, certainly be interesting to see if he does start on Saturday. Just before we do move on to, to Southampton, though, we'll have a, a quick word on Manchester United because, of course, Ralph Ranick, it looks like, is going to be heading there, Gorsty. We spoke a, a fair bit on Monday's podcast about them getting a, a succession of decisions very wrong, but Jurgen Klopp, full of praise for, for Ranick, as you might expect. Does this kind of feel to you like one that they have finally made a, a sensible decision, a, a sensible managerial appointment? Does a bit, doesn't it? It's, which is quite unnerving because it's, it's the last thing you expect from the Manchester United hierarchy um, to be making smart, intelligent football decisions because it's something that they haven't really done too much of over the last three years, aside from just buying players who were probably 
obvious names that any football fan of world football would have been able to pluck out of a hat. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not too au fait with Ragnik's work, but I know he's someone who, um, not necessarily a a manager per se. He's more of a figurehead in terms of director of football, you know, sporting director type personality who um, has got contacts throughout Europe and throughout the world and can utilise them to, to help teams. I mean, what, what he's done with the likes of the Red Bull football group, you know, he's, he's turned them into, you know, quite significant names, hasn't he, in European football? You think of Salzburg and the players that they've been able to produce in recent years and obviously Leipzig have only been around since about 2009, is it? Something like that. And they were Champions League finalists in 2020 and not, I'm going to clue about what he's done with Locomotive Moscow, but uh, certainly someone who's highly regarded in the game. And, and Klopp was speaking highly of him today at uh, the AXA Training Centre. He was saying that um, he's someone who's very committed to the to, to the pressing style, and you know he was one of the early kind of um, people who, who were pushing this this idea of pressing as a group, and it, it's very much a the tactic that he likes to work with. And, and if you look at United, that's something that they certainly need to improve on. It's not going to happen overnight because, you know, it's it just doesn't work like that, does it? But certainly, you know, teams are playing through United at will, certainly through the midfield. And you've got the likes of Ronaldo not really closing down and pressing from the front. And, and that has been one of the, the issues that they've had to wrestle with all season. So um, let's see how he gets on. It'll take him a while to get up and running, but certainly a, a step in the right direction as far as, United are concerned, and I was a bit surprised by it, to be honest, because um, I just expected them to do something silly and just bring in a, a name for a namesake, as they, they tend to do more often than not these days. Yeah, certainly be interesting to see how Cristiano Ronaldo gets on in a high-intensity, high-pressing environment, Theo. But as Gorsley said, it, it will take a bit of time for Ranić to get his players up to speed with what he wants to do. How much of a difference do you think this will make this season for Manchester United? Do they suddenly become a threat at the top or is it just a case of pretty much they'll carry on as they are for the time being and just sort of see where things stand? No, not really worried about this little club in Manchester, to be honest. It's an interim manager, isn't it? It's only a few months he's going to be in charge. It's steady in the ship and then you'd imagine they're going to go for a bigger appointment. Um, I think they were saying that he might be a consultant for them for two years after that. That was part of the, the deal that he's supposedly signing. Um, yes, he'll, he'll steady the ship. I suppose it's similar to um, Goose Hiddink when he had his couple of spells as interim at Chelsea. We think that's a respectable name. He's got a good CV and he does better than his predecessor, but it's not really taking him on to that next level. It's just making sure they don't miss out on Champions League football before passing on the baton. Um You'd imagine the players are going to respond to his methods a bit better than they did with Solskjaer, and it, it should be enough for him to get into Champions League. But if you're looking at managerial appointments this year and the names of managers, I'd be more concerned by Conte than I would by um, this one. It's just, even looking at his CV, he hasn't got that pedigree of winning trophies at elite clubs. He's done brilliant work wherever he's been. Um, Leipzig with like Hanover, I think, when Klopp was saying he was challenging against him for a promotion when they're at Mainz, uh, Schalke getting him to the Champions League, clubs like this. But if you're that successful a manager in Germany, normally you either get the Bayern Munich job or you get the Germany job. And he's not had either. So is he perhaps not this complete elite manager that you think will be competing with a Tuchel, with a Guardiola, with a Klopp? 
but Manchester United aren't competing with these three at the moment. They're not going to be competing with them this season. They're too far behind already. For them, it is just a case of getting into the top four, maybe having a decent run in Champions League. Now they've got through to the knockout stages, having a go over the FA Cup. But yeah, it's just it's going to take them a while to get things right. Like we thought Van Gaal might have been a good appointment or Mourinho might have been a good appointment. That didn't work out brilliantly for them. It's just they need a long time to settle down and to take these new steps. And Cristiano Ronaldo up front, that, that was Solskjaer's undoing. He had this plan in place with Cavani, with Sancho, Greenwood and all this. And then you put Ronaldo in it and it just went across that whole thinking. So to get a manager that's going to get him to fit into this or be bold enough to go, actually, I don't want to start you. You're just going to be on the bench. It's a big ask for anyone. It is just the, the substitute teacher for a few months until they can go for Pochettino or whatever it is in the summer. But then if they, he does well enough to actually get the job on a permanent basis, well, then they're in a mess again because they'll be back to into a corner when that wasn't really the decision they wanted to do. The field just absolutely destroyed Ralph Rangnick today. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, absolutely no chance that that one's a success, according to Theo. But uh, another link with the, the Red Bull group is Ralph Hasenhutl. I believe he was at Leipzig a, a few years ago, Doily. We'll come on to, to discuss Southampton next, of course, Liverpool's next opponents. They've already taken a point away from home at Manchester City earlier this season. I think they took Chelsea to penalties in one of the cup competitions as well. So it's not going to be easy, but Liverpool really should be winning this one. Well, Southampton drew up to United and they also they played Chelsea in the league and it was one all until they had a player sent off. Uh, that was at Stamford Bridge as well. So Chelsea got a bit lucky there and got a bit lucky in the League Cup, which has kind of been a running theme for them this season, to be honest. But that's another point entirely. Um, but Southampton, yeah, actually, they're a weird team, aren't they? I think they're, they're better than the results suggest. And whenever they play Liverpool, they always seem to like take it up a, a notch. I think Hassan Hootle, um, I think he loves coming up against Klopp. I mean, we saw what happened last time when they played each other at Southampton last year where he was in tears after the game because because they'd won 1-0. To be fair, I was in tears after the game because it was so cold. Um, that was, uh, yeah, what a, what a bad memory that was. Anyway, um, they actually they waited for me to finish then they turned the lights out. They said, are you the last one there? I was like, yeah. Anyway, back to the game in hand. Um, yeah, I think, I think with Southampton, they are kind of like the best way of describing them is like they are like a mini Liverpool, a lesser Liverpool. They like they try, they want to play the game the same way as Liverpool, but they know quite well they haven't got the same caliber of players, so they know they can't quite do it. So they kind of come up with some kind of hybrid version of it, you know. And I think I know we were talking or talking just before the podcast about the, the, the like top four bump stage last season, and they got beat nine nil, and they, like, they were going down, and then they put some results together, and then it's they're all right again. And I think. That's just the kind of team Southampton are, and I think they have been that forever, haven't they? You know that that's just that's just where that's their level, and what Southampton fans know in them, what they like, they want to. They know they're probably not going to win anything if they get to a final every now and again, great, but and get the odd scalp, but they want to be playing good football. And I think, is it good football at the moment? I don't know. It's tough. You know, you, you can't, as I say, you can't. You know they want to play a certain way, but they know they can't play that way, and so they've kind of. You know, caught in between a rock and a hard place with that regard. I think it'll be difficult for Liverpool, but then name me a game where it hasn't been difficult this season, apart from Man United away, obviously. Yeah, well, we know all about them from uh, from Theo, so we won't go back to that again. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
Gorsley, in terms of, of Southampton, Dory called them a weird team there, and I completely agree. I mean, you, you think of, of Southampton of, of having this style. They have a manager that Jurgen Klopp is obviously a, a great admirer of and was you know, really sort of praising of, of him earlier today. But then at the same time, we were going through their players a little bit earlier on, and you think, well, there's not really anyone there that any of the top teams would be looking at. They're, they're a really strange bunch, aren't they? I think that, I think there's just a, a definition of a mid-table team, aren't they? You know, every every league has them, and Southampton fall into that category for me. I mean, I'm just looking at the results here, just pull them up. Our Doyle was answering the question, and they got beat by Wolves away, um, they beat Leeds at home, they drew with Burnley at home, beat Watford away, beat Villa away in successive games, but then got beat by Norwich last week. So it's difficult to kind of put your finger on where where a team like that might be, where the you know such as you know, a sporadic set of results. Um, obviously, Chelsea beat them at Stamford Bridge. But um, as, as we said, and we'll probably say for pretty much 99% of Liverpool's home games, um, Liverpool have got a winner, haven't they? Um, they didn't against Brighton, despite being 2 0 up. And um, I think the international breaks done Liverpool a world of good in terms of resetting a bit, refreshing, getting one or two players back from injury. And, and they've certainly looked a lot better since football came back last week than they did before it when they drew with Brighton and then laboured against West Ham. Um, so I'm expecting a um, fairly comfortable afternoon for Liverpool. You know, I thought they were uh, superb against Arsenal, one of the best performances at Anfield for some time, um, particularly second half. Wednesday night was routine and comfortable against Porto. Um, so Saturday afternoon should um, be relatively straightforward. Yeah, it's it's one that Liverpool should win, Theo. And I suppose you've got to factor in as well, as much as Liverpool can only sort of take care of, of their own results, Manchester City playing West Ham on Sunday, Chelsea playing Manchester United. If Liverpool can beat Southampton on Saturday, it's one of those weekends where the pressure would then be on their title rivals the following day. Yeah, it would, but there's going to be many twists and turns still to go in this title race. And it's one where, like you say, Liverpool have to just focus on their own results. There's already that little bit of a gap forming. But then Southampton have taken, was it, done well against these big teams, like they got a draw with Man City, done well against United. There are going to be surprise results this season, like Burnley drew with um, was it Chelsea a couple of weeks ago. It's going to be far too early to predict things like United, could they have a nice bounce back against Chelsea, do everyone a favour? Um, Liverpool just got to focus on doing what they can do best and like what we're seeing from them this season, scoring two, three times every game. Well, you look at Southampton and they're a side that's missing Danny Ings up front. Like They've only scored, I think, more than one in two games and both those ended in draws to Burnley and Newcastle. The times they've won, it's just been 1-0, ignoring a a comfortable 8-0 against Newport County in the League Cup, but we can write that off, can't we? Lower League in the, the League Cup for the games that really matter. And He's destroying non-league teams now. What's going on here? Not, not non-league, non-league. Lower, lower, lower League. Lower League teams. Lower league teams. <laughs> in the context of a Premier League, league title yeah, race. Yeah, 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 whatever. But yeah, Southampton are a team in transition, aren't they? Like a few years ago, Liverpool would have been plucking their best talent left, right and centre. The rest of the Premier League would have been doing the same and they were challenging for Europe. And then they got to the point where their last stars have moved on, like Hoiberg went to Spurs, Danny Ings has gone. And it's like, well, what do they do now? Like they're going for these younger talents like Livermento, really good player, Salasu. You think, well, this could be a good time for Southampton in two, three years, but it's about getting that balance right. Because they've still what, replaced um, Ings with Adam Armstrong, who was 
prolific championship goal scorer. But he's a bit of a slow burner to get back into the Premier League. He scored a couple and he's not quite exploded onto the scene yet. It takes time. Exact same thing happened to Shay Adams when he moved up to the Premier League. Got some good players there, but there are others you think well, they're not long-term Premier League players. They're not going to take you to the next level. They're just this mid-table standard. Um, but then these teams, when they're playing against the Liverpool and Manchester City, they can find this new level. They can pull up a shock. Um, we can I can write Southampton off and say, oh, they're not going to score many goals because they've not scored many goals this season. And they'll go and win 2-0 at Anfield with Armstrong and Adams scoring. Uh, Liverpool just need to be at their best and do what they've been doing for the majority of the season, taking their chances. Mohamed Salah scoring goals, Jota, Mane scoring goals, and make sure that this one isn't an upset because if they win these sorts of games, especially at home, all season long, then they're going to stay in a title race. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Just before we finish then, let's pick our teams for the game. Alisson will be back in goal, Ghosty, but if you want to talk us through your back four, probably a couple of different decisions to be made, even though Jurgen Klopp was absolutely definitive over the left-back situation earlier on. Yeah, I, I think he was definitive in his point that Andy Robertson is not some busted flush, which um, I certainly agree with. I think people have been too quick to want Simakas playing and Robertson to be dropped this season. I really do. I think Robertson hasn't been great against Bournemouth in particular, at Bournemouth against Brentford in particular, um, and Brighton. But I still think he's a um, top-class left-back. So if he's anywhere near 100%, um, let's have him in there. Um, Trent will come back into to the right-back slot, won't he? Um, and then it's your centre-backs. And I think Van, Van Dijk will come back. It's just a question of whether he... Um, Gives Matt up another game, second game of the week, or whether he puts in Canate. Um, I agree with Doyle. I thought Canate was a bit shaky actually on Wednesday night, particularly for that chance for Otavio when he kind of caught under his feet and the counter attack was on. So um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Matt up in there. He, he hasn't been injured this season, I don't think. So uh, Matt up and Van Dijk, and um, I'm gonna bring back Robertson on the left. We all know what's going to happen now. Matt's going to go off injured at some point, but uh, <laughs> Doyle, who are you going to go for? Well, I've given it away. Canate and Van Dijk, Robertson and Trent. And in terms of, of Canate, what's what's the thinking behind that? Throwing him back in to, to get himself back on track? Or do you just think that it's uh, time for, for Matip to come out? I think it's a bit of both. Matip, he, you know, there's no point risking him. He's fit. Although Ghosty seems to be trying to get him injured. Uh, and um, and then with Canate, yeah, he's playing again inside three days. He'll have a much better game because he'll be alongside Van Dijk. It'll be good for his confidence to let him play. Yeah, I'm torn, to be honest. I think Matip could do a, a bit of damage against a bit of a chaotic Southampton midfield. But then at the same time, there is the Merseyside derby to think about next midweek, Theo. So talk us through your back four. Who are you going to go with? Um, Trent's at right-back, Van Dijk's at centre-back. I think we're all agreeing on that. I'm leaning, I think, towards Konate. He's got a bit more pace about him. and I'd feel a bit more comfortable with Matip in the derby at Goodison. But then Matip always seems to come off injured at Goodison. So maybe we're getting him, setting him up for a fall in one of these two games anyway. And then, yeah, it'll be Robertson at left back. Uh, it's been hard for him this season, but it's important to remember that part of that was coming back to pre-season late after the Euros. And then he got an injury on the eve of the season. He's almost been playing catch up the whole time. He's not had a moment to catch his breath and find some form because they haven't really been able to train much because it has been these two games a week, every week. Simicast has done brilliantly, 
Um, and that's all you can ask from him, all you can expect from him. Jurgen Klopp's obviously saying, thank God we've got this option when Liverpool haven't had it in the past. But there is going to be a time when Robertson is back to his very best. And you'd like to think against Southampton at Anfield, it is a setting for him to maybe have not an easier afternoon, but fine form. It's going to be a game where he can have opportunities to get forward and he needs to play his way into form somehow. And Hopefully this is going to be the one. Yep, absolutely. Let's move on to the midfield then, Gorsty. I'm going to go Fabinho, Henderson and Thiago, but I suppose at least one of those would come off after an hour in my scenario with Wednesday night in mind. But do you think there's an argument for Oxlade-Chamberlain to stay in? Is there anybody else that you'd put in there? I don't suppose there is. There's not really anybody else fit. No, I don't think there is. I don't think... Um, I think the only thing that would keep Oxlade-Chamberlain is the fact that he's played a lot of football for someone who typically doesn't. Um but I also think that it's been too long that Liverpool fans haven't been able to see what many would suggest is their best midfield on paper. Thiago, Fabinho and Henderson. I think that they've only started two games together, possibly three. Um, certainly nowhere near as many as you would have thought when Thiago signed. So, um, yeah, let, let's let's go with that as a three. And then if needed, maybe Henderson or Thiago can... Have a little bit of a rest for Oxley chamberlain but um, yeah, I'm going with you, Matt. Same with field three. Yeah, Fabinho and, and Henderson seem almost certain to start, Dodi, given that they didn't start on Wednesday. But are you going to go with Thiago as well, or what's your thinking for this one? Fabinho, Thiago, Oxley chamberlain Interesting. Because saving Thiago for Wednesday. Oh, Thiago's playing. Sorry, it's Henderson. It's Henderson, Henderson that's been. It's Henderson that's been then kept out. Yeah, I think. Oxley Chamberlain obviously used to play for Southampton, so I think he'd be quite keen to play. So I think, you know, you have to sometimes bear that in mind. He'll be desperate to get a game in there. I think I think if it doesn't go particularly well, don't forget there's Milner. I know he's only just come back, but, you know, he, he booked himself a, a midweek off, saving himself a trip to Milan towards the end of the game. He knew exactly what he was doing there, didn't he? It's not so. Like, he must have been before then. He must have been just gone, I don't really like it that much. I'm just gone, can't be bothered. Um, but... Yeah, I think we'll probably see Milner at some point. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to get too far, but I wouldn't be surprised if Milner played in the derby either. But, you know, we'll deal with that next week. But for the moment, I'm going to go with uh, Fabinho, Thiago, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Theo, who are you going to go with? I'm leaning with Doyley again. Um, the Oxlade-Chamberlain ex-club factor for me swings it through. He's in good form. We saw what he did against Arsenal. So he can face another former club and hopefully have the same impact. I think he's done well against them in the past, hasn't he? He scored, um, was it the title winning year at Anfield in the, the 4 0? Um, I'd keep Thiago in. I think it's a game that would suit him. And then it's whether I go Henderson or Fabinho as the number six. Uh, like I said, leaning towards Doyle's thinking, save Henderson for the derby. Um, like we've only seen glimpses of him since coming back from this injury and from international duty. So you don't want to risk him too much, especially when it's going to be a, a frantic festive period coming up. So Fabinho can be number six. Henderson can come on after one hour and then he can start the derby and uh, lead them to hopefully a, a rare Goodison victory. We've not been had a few of them in for a few years. Yeah, good to have a few options in there. There's a couple of options in the front line as well, Gorsty, but I'm going to go Salah, Jota and Mane. I didn't think Minamino was particularly brilliant. He didn't do anything dreadful on Wednesday night, but probably a, an opportunity missed for him to stamp a bit of a mark. Yeah, it really was, um, especially after coming on against Arsenal and scoring and you could see what that meant for him and looked like the perfect opportunity to kick on, but just didn't think he, he did did anything 
at all, really, on Wednesday. He kind of just chased it about and worked hard, as, as he always will. But, no, it was a big chance miss for him. Um, yeah, Salah, Mane and, um, and Jota, I think. Yeah, Diogo Jota on the bench midweek, but he is back from what Klopp described as a, a fairly big knock against Arsenal. So, would imagine he would start Doidi. Is that the same three for you? I thought Minamino did okay, actually, considering you know he ended up to get he ended up playing on the right wing, didn't he? By the end, so I thought I think I did think he did right. I think it's his best game he's had when he's been playing down the middle, and I think that's something Liverpool are going to have to look to if they've got you know it, it, you know preparing for what might happen in January, for example. So. It was something that had to be done. Um, I think it's going to be those three. But again, I think when you come to the derby next week, I think Klopp will just do something crazy as he always does. But we can come to that. But yes, those three for this one. Yes, we will come to that. But I am going to predict that Divock Origi plays in yes, that one that's, at some that's stage. exactly what's going to happen. Theo, for this one, no Origi in this one, saving him for the derby. He, he, I don't think he's actually scored at Goodison before, but yeah, let Sonnery shirt Divock against Everton. And it can be Mane, Salah, Jota for this one. Uh, yeah, I don't think Minamino did too bad. You'd like to see him get a, a goal to his name. It was an opportunity for him. But he's still, he's playing a lot of different positions when he's coming on for Liverpool. At least he's making an impact. He had a few runs down the wing where he was winning corners or getting crosses in. Um, it'll be needed in January and it's just about getting him and Origi minutes as they go along ahead for January but this isn't going to be one of them you've got Salah fit you've got Mane fit you've got Jota fit start the three of them and get the job done yep yes indeed get the job done then make a few changes ahead of Wednesday that will be the idea for Liverpool I'm going to predict a 3-0 victory so I think it, it might just about happen as well Gorsty how do you reckon it might play out yeah, I think it might be a fairly comfortable afternoon. 3-1. 3-1. Doily, are you equally as positive? You just said then that you predict a 3-0 victory and you think it might just about happen. It's like, well, surely all of your predictions you think are happen because why would you be predicting them then? <laughs> no, no, what I meant might happen was what I said before <laughs> that was that they'd go a couple of goals up and be able to make changes. That's all right, okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah, you just dug yourself out of that one. Um, <laughs> I think I think 2-0. 2-0, but it will be tougher than people are thinking. 2-0, Theo, are you uh, also going for a, a two-goal victory? Well, I was thinking 3-0 and then you said it. And I was thinking 3-1 and Gorsty said it. And I was thinking 2-0 and Doily said it. <laughs> so, for the sake of variety, should I just bring 7-1 back? That, that's been done against Southampton before, hasn't it? What about the famous Christian Walsh 8-0 against Sunderland shout from many years <laughs> ago? Which, <laughs> yeah, um, a, a, a famous prediction there. That Funny enough, that wasn't correct. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will stick with a 3-0. Oh, I thought you were going to go for a 7-1 there. Never mind. <laughs> Well, on that note, we will finish the podcast. Thank you very much to Paul, to Ian and to Theo for joining me. We'll have all of the coverage across the Echo, Liverpool.com and Blood Red over the next couple of days. We'll be back on Monday, as we said as well, to preview the Merseyside derby. And until then, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.